The delicious non-alcoholic beverage I'm mixing right now is High Road by Kin Euphorics, a new alcohol-free drink that is part of a new category of non-alcoholic beverages called Euphorics. We'll get into what Euphorics are during the podcast episode, but in terms of what you taste when drinking Kin, if you drink it straight up, it has a deep, earthy flavor. But Kin really shines when you mix it with your favorite juice or soda. I'm drinking it right now with soda and water, and this non-alcoholic cocktail has yummy hints of tart citrus, warming spices, and a nice floral finish. But the uniqueness of Kin is in the ingredients, specifically mood-boosting nootropics, adaptogens, and botanicals that can turn a stressful day into an evening where you want to go out and play. Hi everyone, I'm Marco Salazar and welcome to the For All Drinks podcast, your place for discovering delicious non-alcoholic beer, wine, spirits, mocktails, and more for leading a fun, healthy, and inclusive lifestyle. On today's episode, we'll be chatting with Jen Batchelor, co-founder and chief euphorics officer of Kin. We dive deep into how her and the Kin team have created a whole new category of non-alcoholic drinks and are building a nightlife beverage company rooted in conscious connection. Let's get started. I'm excited for you to hear today's episode because Jen is one of the most inspiring people I've met in this non-alcoholic beverage space. She has such an amazing story of why she started Kin and shares her unique philosophy that is at the center of everything Kin is building to provide more non-alcoholic options that improve people's well-being and make nightlife more fun. In this episode, we discuss the new non-alcoholic category of euphorics, along with the root meaning of euphoria and how it relates to our well-being, how Kin is providing delicious alcohol-free drinks for every social occasion so people can feel good in any dynamic, the science behind Kin's drinks, and how they can help you sleep better, strengthen your adrenal system, and moderate your stress responses, as well as how they are supporting people to create their own philosophy of a euphoric lifestyle. Hey, Jen, welcome to the For All Drinks podcast. I'm super excited to chat with you today because you created a new category of drink, uh, Euphorics, which I'm very excited to dive into. And I want our listeners to learn more about this. So to kick it off, where did the idea for Kin come from? Hi, Marcos. First of all, it's lovely to be here. I love what you're doing with For All Drinks. I think differently and drink differently are two things that people have to do to really start to elevate their rituals and to really step into who they are and their blissful birthright of happiness and joy. I'm so grateful to be here. Yeah, the story of Kin is a journeyed one. When we first started out, we didn't even want to put forth an offering unless we had something to contribute that would really change the face of the drinking culture, social libations as we know it. And we knew that was going to be a tall task because the history of alcohol and drinking fermented beverages and intoxicants, it's a 10,000 year old ritual, right? So some upstart coming in in 2017 with some fun idea wasn't going to cut it if we didn't know where we were coming from. So we really studied the sociological, the anthropological implications and that history of how we got here. And it was fascinating. Of course, you, you don't have to, it's a quick Google search to learn that there is so much divinity in our first experiences with alcohol and our first sort of coming into communion with wine, coming into this experience with ciders. And really it was relegated and reserved for royalty and for emperors to really connect with the divine because they felt so elated. 
when fast forward to 2017, when we were really first coming up with our first formulations, I certainly could not think of the last time I had a drink at a bar and felt transcendent and connected to the divine. Knowing that I was seeking more of that in my life, feeling elevated as opposed to depressed, fulfilled and energized as opposed to slow, lethargic, or just not myself. We were really eager to pursue that route when it came to creating the next generation of social beverages, of which Euphorics is one, right? So the genesis was very pure. It was very studied, certainly, and we really didn't have a timeline of when we wanted to get this out. We just knew we wanted to create something that was uplifting across different social occasions, across different social dynamics. So that was really the main inspiration. That's where the idea for creating a drink that could elevate mood, that could meet you where you were, depending on the time of day and who you were hanging out with, where that transpired. Yeah. And and I think probably new to the listeners is this concept of euphorics. Can you help define what that is? Absolutely. Thanks for asking. I feel like there's so much just there are misnomers around this idea of euphoria to begin with. So the reason why we chose that phrase is is twofold. First, you cannot be what you don't have language to express. We have a word in the English language, euphoria, to describe this feeling of being well within. However, we use it interchangeably with a word that means the polar opposite, which is ecstasy. Ecstasis, the root word of ecstasy, is really translates to be outside of oneself. So you can imagine psychedelic journeys, even some prescription drugs will take you out of your being and bring you into a different state entirely to the point where you're seeing yourself separate of this feeling, this mood, this other entity. Whereas euphoros was a state that was described and coined ultimately by physicians in in, in the late 1700s. It's actually Mark in their notes when their patients went from being sick to being well again. So to bear well within literally means to be not only healthy, but return to your own natural birthright state of joy and equanimity. When you've had a headache or you've been sick and you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I can breathe again and I have my energy back. That's euphoria. And so we don't really, we don't use it that way. It was hijacked during the the drug craze in, in the psychedelic movement back in the 1960s. So we lost that ability to ability not only to express that feeling, but to find it, seek it, and experience it. So we wanted to bring it back and return it back to the people. So Euphorics is both an homage to that. Part of that movement is baked into our name. And it's also a rally cry for people to seek that at a sustainable level and very individually, which is why we incorporate adaptogens in our drink. But we'll get to that point. I love that you provided this history in that context and also in conjunction with thinking about alcohol, because it's one of those things where, as you pointed out, alcohol is very much linked to community and connection, but at the same time, it's a substance that can dull your senses as well as a depressant. And it's great to see that you're redefining what that looks like in terms of social connection. And can you share a little bit about what are the ingredients within your euphorics? Yeah. And just to tag on to something you were saying, and this goes into the Genesis story as well, is just, I was shocked that thousands of people that we interviewed and incorporated into sort of our pre-launch beta program were saying, we'd ask them straight up, why do you drink? And they'd say, you know what? I drink for me time. I drink because I want to be more of myself. I want to loosen up. I want to dance. I drink for all of these reasons. And 
what they were asking for was a return to self, but what they were getting, especially in the extreme, when, when we would ask, why don't you want to drink any longer? Why do you want to moderate? It would be because, oh, after too many drinks, I'm not myself. I don't recognize who I am. So it was such a conundrum, a paradox, really, to think about this substance that people were saying they were reaching for to feel more of themselves, but in fact, they were getting farther and farther away. And so I really felt an injustice in the sense that we've socialized this thing so hard and we've glamorized it so much that people are blind to the idea that it's actually doing more harm than good. Of course, we know that because we feel the effects, but when we seek something, we reach for something, I want it to be that integral thing. I want it to be the thing that's actually delivering what you've asked for. So that was really where our product philosophy was born. And so in terms of the product ingredients, how we got started with our first euphoric, which is now called High Road, it was very much a light bulb moment for us when we realized we wanted to better understand when people say they want to feel like themselves, when they say they want to relax, what is the most effective way we can do that now? If we're creating the next generation of beverages what ingredients, what biotechnologies, what food, drink technologies do we have at our disposal to be able to deliver that in a more effective way, in a safer way? We really haven't investigated, we haven't explored the process of creating social drinks since they were born, right? In 10,000 years, we really haven't switched it up. We call it different things. We say tequila, wine, and, and yes, they're very much born of different base ingredients. You end up net with the exact same thing as an alcohol. And so for us, it was very exciting to be able to explore with different ingredients, extracts, even different schools of thought, right? So we ended up taking from what's working and what worked for us personally from the Western approach of biohacking and performative performance enhancing ingredients and nootropics specifically, and also facilitating a feeling by marrying that concept with thousands and thousands of years of research in the world of Eastern herbology and very specifically the school of Ayurveda. The ingredients in High Road were inspired first and foremost by the idea that there is something very unique happening with our brain at the happy hour. So when people reach for their first drink, we were very curious. Okay, when you say, my gosh, I just have to, first of all, I'm exhausted at the end of the day, so I have to chug an espresso, and then I'm rushing to meet my friend at the bar, and I have to have a cocktail in my hand within five minutes. What is that saying to us? What is the actual lizard brain? What are we reaching for in that moment? How do we want to feel and why? The why was the biggest factor. You have a natural declination at that point. You were completely deprived of your natural stores and your healthy stores of dopamine and serotonin at that point, right? So the 3 p.m., 4 p.m. hours where that starts to go down, you've used up all of your charm, and that's where the serotonin comes in. Those feel-goods maybe are waning because you've had one bad email after the next or rushing to a place, and so you're feeling on edge because you are literally sharper. You are rougher. You don't have the feel-good juicy neurotransmitters that tell you, first of all, it's safe to feel relaxed. It's safe to share your feelings. It's safe. You're safe in a, in a comfortable environment to love and to think creatively. So we wanted to return people to that state. And that's where the nootropics come in. We use L-theanine, we use citicoline, tyrosine, and we pair that with, we call them hormone happies. The first one in high road is, of course, rhodiola rosea, which is quite stimulating for some folks. And that can be good if you're like 
super tired after a long day, but also want to reach a level of equanimity, lower your cortisol levels and feel happy and chill. So that's what went into High Road. It's called High Road because hibiscus is the floral extract is really the main base of that drink. And the reason, of course, is because we're also extremely dehydrated as humans and hibiscus is quite hydrating. So all of these combined really help us to return to self, feel energized, feel blissful. Loved hearing all of that detail. And as you as an entrepreneur, how did you learn about all this stuff? Who did you work with to be able to build this type of a intentional and complex product. Yeah. So before I launched Kin, I actually had another company that was focused on bringing wellness technologies, modalities, products that we created to the travel space. So I learned a good deal over the course of five years. And this was, of course, back in 2010, right before wellness became a a mega industry and started becoming super commodified. So I learned a good deal being on the front lines of what a guest population, especially one that is seeking revelry and seeking curiosity and enjoyment when they're in a different city, how they want to be supported and maintaining a wellness routine. And how amazing it is to come into a place with beginner's mind. The brain is more willing and and more apt to create new neural connections when you're in a new environment, which just means that they were more open to trying new things and certainly open to sharing feedback. And a lot of the feedback I received back in that time was I am already behind before I get started in the hospitality world. I walk into a hotel, the lobby bar is in the lobby. It's front and center. I'm being offered a drink upon check-in. So it almost seems like there are so many cultural stumbling blocks to where I want to be from a wellness perspective and alcohol seems to be getting in the way every time. And this was coming from people who were just wanting to maintain a routine and stay well on the go, not folks in recovery, not folks who were trying to abstain in any way, just people who were trying to keep their edge while they were on the go. So I had a pretty good street education from the hospitality standpoint. And I heard the same thing from bartenders, which I think was the big aha as well. It was just they wanted to be able to offer something more sophisticated for folks that were coming in and needed something hydrating off of a a flight that wasn't just water or tea. Um, So that was fun to see. The hospitality was prime for a shakeup. But as I got deeper and deeper into that work, I realized that wellness as a commodity doesn't work. Wellness as a commodity and as an industry requires you to stay sick in order for that industry to stay thriving. And confusion is the friend of the wellness world, unfortunately, because they want you to just keep buying more and more products. So I became extremely jaded with that industry, walked from that particular company, started rethinking how I wanted to elevate my education and my really create my own POV around what was important to me in the wellness space. And really in my wellness journey and becoming well within my euphoros journey, what I did instead of start something new and have more solutions was just, I started asking questions. I serendipitously was found by a school of Ayurveda up in the Berkshires and started studying advanced levels of the practice, which has a whole medical science behind it. So everything from plastic surgery to (laughs) nutrition, they've got covered over the course of 4,000 years and dozens of medical books. So we definitely got into the nitty gritty on 
Vedic psychology, which is very much centered around trauma. And of course, we all know by now, addiction stems from traumatic experience, among other genetic factors. So that was very interesting to me, Vedic psychology in general, but especially the crux of it being very much about stress relief and helping ourselves to unravel the traumas and heal the traumas that have occurred to us over the course of the year of of our lives rather. And then simultaneously, of course, we had to learn nutrition and herbology. Herbology was an area for me that was extremely fascinating. I loved, again, that the the focus was very much on adaptogenic herbs, not having always the perfect solution, but that adaptogens would find their way and that they adapt to not only the biological factors and attributes of the client or patient, but that they also work to unravel psychological, emotional, environmental trauma within the person. So I thought that was extremely fascinating. It was something that I really dove into, and that was back in 2015. Brought a lot of that to the table with Ken, for sure. And and I appreciate you sharing that. I personally am on my own journey with respect to what you're talking about. My fiance has been a meditation teacher since she's 12, but then has also gotten me into Ayurveda. So I'm learning all of this. That's very different approach than the Western world approach to all of this. Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. And there's not to say there's not a place for it. And I think that's where we ended up realizing that nootropics work really well. Because when you have a drink that is meant for many people coming from many different walks, many different constitutions to speak Ayurvedically, and then also coming in with different issues happening, right? Whether it's misalignment with their circadian or they're very stressed or very ill, it's important for you to have herbs and root medicines like adaptogens at your disposal, but also to incorporate things that are being used with precision, which I think is what I love so much about nootropics. Nootropics were predominantly adopted by the world of Silicon Valley developers, men mostly, who were trying to get in the pocket. They were trying to create designer drugs to help them sit and code for eight or nine hours or do something with great focus and agility, mental agility. And for me, having dabbled with these, really, I've self-experimented with a number of things over the course of my own self-exploration and journey with well-being. When it comes to cognitive function, it always shocks me that people don't think about the brain when they think about mood. When people talk about wanting to feel relaxed, they think about one thing versus when they automatically go to the social occasion where alcohol is typically at the center, they think alcohol is going to help me relax. But all they think about when it comes to the biology is the liver. Right. So when people talk about alcohol, immediately they think, what is my liver doing? The liver's the last stop. The liver's the saving grace. It's helping you filter out the poison. But ultimately, what's helping to improve your mood, relax the muscles, all of that is happening through the endocrine system, pairing with, you know, clearing the superhighways for the brain to affect and tell you're feeling a certain kind of way, which we never think about when we think about social drinking. And as you're sharing all of this and then the origin of the first uh, drink that you created, how did that lead to the creation of all the other products that you've launched? Yeah, uh, great question, because this is essentially the basis for Euphorics, right? We have a framework, 
we effectively have an idea of formula brewing for every social occasion you can think of in every social dynamic because our mood, our approach is calls for different things for different folks, for different people that we're with. So happy hour, of course, was the most obvious. It was the one when we were discussing with our beta guests, what is the occasion that sort of leads you to more often than not want to abstain, regret drinking alcohol, whatever it is. It was always happy hour because happy hour was the default social ritual that happens after a long day when you're really feeling depleted and you might rather be at the gym. You might rather be taking a nap. So it was the occasion where people most resented succumbing to the social pressures of drinking alcohol. And we were very curious about, okay, what can we give people to help them recalibrate and then take themselves either to the next level or have a glass of wine once they've reached the point of equanimity? And so happy hour was, of course, the inspo for High Road, but there are many more. So when you think about its exact counterpart, which is the Dreamlight product we rolled out last December, it's very much for the person who has had their night and was again in that position where they want something to finish the night or they want something perhaps to help them fall asleep, which again is another major myth around alcohol. People think alcohol helps me sleep. No. In fact, it's been found right up there with stress and dehydration to be in the top three of, in terms of Americans, losing sleep. It is the most disruptive thing that you could possibly do. So we wanted to create something that was that drank like a brandy, it sipped very sensually, it had a complex flavor, but also was rich in botanicals that were going to help you achieve deeper levels of sleep. And we've now proven that with a friend of ours who is a TED fellow and a sleep doctor, Dr. Snooze on Instagram, if you want to look him up, Dr. Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) And we've proven that Dreamlight actually does help to extend the fifth stage of sleep, which is the, the most deep and most restorative. So again, it's just like hiding your vitamins in this very sexy, sophisticated thing that you can drink with friends, which is ultimately what I wanted to have for myself. So I think what's really interesting about this non-alcoholic beverage space in the specific product that you created is that there's differentiating kind of price points where this is a premium product and it might be a little bit of out of the range or people may question whether to purchase it because it's a higher price product. But you've also created the spritz, which is more of an ability for people to be able to sample. Can you share a little bit about what went into that product? Yeah. And I actually want to clarify something. So when I looked at the market and I realized, okay, most drinks are, especially in New York, they range from $15 to $25, depending on where you are, just for one drink. I really wanted to create something that, especially for the home mixologist, that you could get your hands on at less than $5 a pop, $5 a drink. And so you're getting that with High Road, even though the bottle is $39 you're getting 12 servings. When you break that down, you're getting the value of the best ingredients possible on the herbology side and certainly the nootropic side, while also getting a really special, well-crafted drink, something that tastes very complex and could match pitch. We were just included and I was so thrilled to see the New Yorker listed us as one of the top canned cocktails of 2020. And we were the only non-alc. 
Oh, wow. So, That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So of all of the, the top five, they, they listed us. And we're very proud of that because we wanted it to be something where you didn't have to sacrifice anything, let alone that feeling of having an adult beverage. Yes. So if you break it down per serving, you're getting less than $4. The spritz is obviously the ready to sip version of a high road drink, a high road kintail as we like to call them. And we also have them down to less than $5 a pop now, which we're very happy about. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you shared that because I think this is part of what we're wanting to do with For All Drinks is that there's a couple things that are popping up when it comes to non-alcoholic beverages. First, people's experiences in the past with non-alcoholic beverages haven't always necessarily been positive, overly sweet or dull. Mm -hmm. And then I think the second piece is that people equate value with the amount of alcohol that's in there. And I think this interview has really shown the intention and complexity and a lot of work that goes into creating such a an amazing product like kin yeah look if you count them all up and we we're very transparent about our ingredients whether all listed on our website and of course across our label even though it says proprietary blend you see exactly what's in it and you can see that we have upwards of 18 ingredients in the high road alone even more than that in the dream light. And that's because we really focus on hormone harmony and the synchronicity of all of these ingredients, which again is another factor of the Vedic herbology tradition and wanting to pay homage to that. But in nootropics, it's called synergistics. And in the plant world, it's called the entourage effect. And it's very much true. The experience, the product itself is greater than the sum of its parts. And that's because there's something really special when all of these ingredients come together. But yeah, to your point, I think what's really great about folks that are wanting to try this on for size, especially when it comes to their general health, is that we were very adamant that we didn't want our products to contain sugar. In fact, the spritz is the only one because we ended up incorporating white wine grapes in that one. Of course, all alcohol-free. But the high road is zero, zero sugar whatsoever, and it's only six calories per serving, so six calories per two ounces, which is a fraction of what you're getting, of course, in the alcohol world. So we're, we also we don't tout that as much because I feel like that's so a signature of a diet product, but it is a selling point for a lot of folks that also want to think about crafting because you want to have that extra room to add whatever juice you want to add any syrups or bitters. And with Ken, you really have that opportunity since we haven't preloaded it with a bunch of sugar. You're making me think about uh, a product like Kin is helping to support or resolve this whole concept of people not necessarily feeling included or feeling like an outsider when they're drinking a non-alcoholic beverage. Like mm -hmm. you provide a product that someone can have a sophisticated, complex drink, whether by itself or if it's at a bar or restaurant or event or personal gathering, mm -hmm. they can have something that they can feel good about when socializing. Yeah, they don't have to feel embarrassed to order it because, for example, if you order it at Cafe Clover, who's still serving it today, their doors are open, by the way, if anyone's in New York, go visit. But they have a bunch of, actually, they put us on the menu as with our own category as euphorics above the non-alks, believe it or not, and below their specialty drinks, which, you know, I think is paying so much homage to and respect and reverence to this category, not only the category, but the guests themselves. But when you go to order a drink with them, you're ordering the rising bliss. You say, I'd love a rising bliss up or on the rocks. When they serve that drink, it comes out on a wooden plank with rosemary smoking. So it's a smoking sprig of rosemary. They walk it through the restaurant and people turn their heads and they're like, oh, we'll have a round of those. 
and they don't even ask if there's alcohol in them. And that was by design. We made High Road very specifically with that beautiful ruby red, hibiscus red base um, and all the botanics incorporated. You end up with this really ruddy, rich red color. And so people aren't asking you, oh gosh, are you drinking water? You're missing out. You're killing the vibe. None of that happens because people assume that you're having a really complex drink. And that was definitely on purpose. And I love you describing that experience. And as an extension of that, when I received my bottle of Kin, you also did that when it came to the experience of the packaging and the first contact that I had with Kin. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that you all have done such an amazing job with respect to the non-alcoholic beverage industry is you have one of the best brands that I've seen. And can you share a little bit about what went into the development of the Kin brand? Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you so much for those encouraging words. I do see that Kin has made its mark in this industry and and it is it's heartwarming because it is such a personal project. When we first came to the table with this idea, my friends at the Roan Coat Studio in New York were very adamant about knowing the full backstory, not just the story that I've told today, but even my, my personal journey, which I'm happy to share as well. But this idea that I grew up in a world that even in modern day is living under Islamic rule, which requires abstinence completely from drugs and alcohol. So I grew up in a place where there was literally prohibition and my dad having uh, English roots and loving his beer and wine was actually a, a distiller of a desert moonshine called Siddiqui. He made his own beers, his own wines right out of my bathtub, my personal tub, which I had to forfeit for a few years when the business was really booming. But he did that. He moonlit as a moonshiner, which is, of course, the irony now is not lost on me that I ended up in this world, but he definitely always says, you're reversing my karmic debt. You are doing uh, the bachelor family a favor here in in settling the score. But ultimately I, I share that because you see a lot of the inspiration and the brand logo and identity from that journey and that exploration. And also how we wanted so badly to break with convention in terms of what ingredients are supposed to live at the bar. So if you look at the logo, it's a hand drawn custom type font that is actually inspired by Arabic calligraphy. So you can see how some of the points are made, how the flow was leaning to the left, and then you have the I bowing to the K in a sign of reverence. And that was very much about my feeling rejected by the hospitality world, especially in bigger cities, when I didn't want to drink alcohol. I was be dismissed. Oh, I'm not going to get my tip tonight. I guess here's some water. That's going to be $5, lady. Um, so I wanted to show reverence there. And then what most people, we don't really share this, but what's lost to the common eye is that there's actually a symbol for the neurotransmitter also in there between the I and the K where the point of the I is suspended. That is to symbolize neurotransmitters and a, a neurosynapse coming into union. And I'm looking at the bottle now and I can <laughs> totally see that. I, my background is neuroscience and I had not notice that, but that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. So for us, it was just a reminder. It was almost like a flag that we could fly and remember why we started and why we exist. So the brand, definitely the genesis of the greater identity was 
that flag, that almost talisman that we carried around in, in the form of a bottle. And then it opened up to a whole world of whimsy and nostalgia. And I think that's also paying tribute to how much work we put into thinking about where we were coming from, the history, what we wanted to preserve that was really beautiful about the social ritual of drinking and what we wanted to see sort of change, but in a fantastical way. We didn't want to preach. We didn't want to be too sterile. And in that, we've definitely taken some liberties. When I talk to branding agencies, they're like, how did you go from this off-white bone color label with this gorgeous dusted marigold to this like aura pop bright, the Kin Spritz can is just like a total color explosion. And that's on purpose. We wanted to play into how we were feeling in the moment. Spritz launched on summer solstice of last year. The label features an aura overlaid on a sunset right? That was very much intentional. We have a lot of fun with our brand. I think that comes through. I think people are starting to realize like, it's not just maximalism for maximalism's sake. It's this idea that you can create art through science. You can really realize yourself and come to a mood that you want to feel by finding the magic in everyday experiences. And so that's really what the brand tries to hold true in everything we do. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your story, your narrative, and everything that went into Kin and the creation of it. So what do you have coming up in the next uh, year or so? We're doing a lot more with respects to just bringing people into the fold and bringing people deeper into the philosophy of Euphoros. We find that that's very resonant with a lot of folks that are trying to up-level their experience. A lot of folks obviously have come to us through their sober curiosity And so understanding and crafting their own philosophy of how they're going to keep this ritual going and and this lifestyle upgrade for life, I think they are looking to, some of them are looking to folks like Kin and our story to help inspire that go forward. I Right now, since COVID, have been teetotal, but I'm not a teetotaler. I don't consider myself 100% sober. So I think being able to share that story openly and share what those ebbs and flows look like and why perhaps can help some folks to create their own path. And upcoming, very shortly, we are going into our first ever 30-day celebration of Euphoros, which we're calling Blistober. It's happening throughout, of course, the month of October. And it's our sort of response to what a typical sober October looks like. Typically, People say, oh, I'm not going to drink for 30, 31 days or what have you. And of course, they always break it on Halloween and it's this big thing and they feel super sick the next day. And the whole challenge is about deprivation, what you're taking away. What we wanted was to focus on what are we adding to our lives? What can this philosophy and practice in action of euphorics actually bring into my sphere? And how can I rise up in that? And we've broken down the modules into priming for peace. So creating peace in the space in your life to actually bring in and call in higher learnings and attributes. And then the follow-up weeks are play, power, and pleasure. And so, of course, they're helping folks to crush ego by playing and reconnecting to innocence and indulge in the five senses and awaken sensuality and and all the facets of pleasure you can imagine. And then finding our voice and, and nourishing our personal power. Those are things that are extremely important to our audience and they're important to me. And I've consolidated 10, 20 years of research and experience into this course. So upcoming, we're going to be doing a lot more of that. We have a membership club rolling out in private beta in uh, late October and beginning of November. 
And that will be announced, uh, of course, at the turn of the year. Dry January will see us again featuring uh, sort of another version, probably a very much upgraded version of Blistober with some some very exciting partners that we'll be announcing closer to the date. And a few more euphorics will be coming out in 2021. So we're very excited for that as well. Thank you so much for sharing all of the background and science and intention that went into Kin. And I'm very excited for everybody to try it. So where can they find you? They can find us predominantly online. So kinuforex.com is the easiest. They can find me on Instagram, Jen of Kin, or Twitter. And we're Chicago, New York, LA, Dallas, Austin. These are markets that are still very much lively and hosting and socializing. And we're at a number of bars and restaurants and those markets as well. So if you're in those areas, please do support local businesses. And if you're not in those areas, hit me up. I want to know what bars, what restaurants, what grocers you'd like to see, Ken. And we're only doing direct distribution right now. We're being extremely selective with where we live and we want to live where our guests live. Amazing. Thanks for joining us, Jen. Thank you for having me, Marcos. This was so much fun. I hope you feel inspired by Jen's story and are excited to try the fun and functional drinks that Ken is creating. If you're subscribed to the show, thanks for being part of the For All Drinks community. I'd be super grateful if you can take a moment to leave me a rating if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast. If you're not a subscriber yet, be sure to subscribe to this and all the other episodes of the podcast to start discovering more delicious non-alcoholic drinks. Lastly, visit foralldrinks.com for show notes to this episode and sign up for our newsletter to get the latest non-alcoholic beverage news, special giveaways, discounts, and more. Here's to drinking healthy, inclusively, and different. See you all next week.